0: I tripled my revenue in a quarter when my mum died. I believe you should fish where the fish are in business. If you come to start your business and you just make your money back, you failed. Maybe you've actually just got to go back and figure out who were you before you, you became who the world told you to be. I call it golden handcuffs. What you're doing is working, but you no longer love it. But you're being paid and you can do whatever the fuck you want in your spare time. There's generally a reason people seek out
1: personal goals. Look at what you're saying that you want to do and ask yourself are you making the right moves towards what you want to do when
0: you're in the trenches you've got to know what your why is you've got to know your purpose because it's the thing that's going to power you through Tell yourself because the first people who will pay you who will buy from you no matter what business you are are people who trust you if you do so many things people don't know what you do that's the complete opposite of building a brand be the version of yourself that makes you happy that lights up a room to live your purpose i think that that's a gift
1: And we are back with the Frankly Lee Podcast. And today, guys, I have you, another barnstorming guest. This woman has scaled multiple brands to multiple millions and is a marketing genius, in my opinion, with what she's achieved and everything else. Jenna Davies, welcome to England and welcome to the podcast. Thank
0: you for having me. We finally made this happen and what a way to do it in this part of the world as well.
1: well I, yeah, we never thought it was going to happen over here. We? we thought it was going to happen back in Australia, but obviously we never got, never got time before I left last year and everything else that went on, but... I want to give people, obviously, look, you've built multiple brands and and you're doing something good with Big Tea at the minute. We're scaling that. And I really want to give people the actionable marketing insights today that they can put straight to their business to make them more money and everything like that. Uh But where I want to start with you is obviously the journey of how you've got there and then the pivot that's recently happened because I think that will give people a little bit of context into how much you've had to overcome to even get where you are right now. There's a lot that's gone into that. Yeah, Let's just pull it back because obviously – Where I first started to see you have success uh, in the online space was when you started to sell products more digitally off the back of your Instagram following. Mm -hmm. Give me a bit of an insight into how you built that first business.
0: So it very much was leveraging a platform that I'd created through a hobby and a passion. I was bodybuilding at the time. I was using Instagram just to share my journey, to keep myself accountable. And it quickly grew through networking through my profession and then obviously my passion as well and that opened opportunities for me to 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 sell and to generate revenue on the platform through sponsorships like activewear i was sponsored by riderwear six years ago and i'm still with them today and ehp labs at the time and obviously earning commission and as a younger version of myself with a smaller following in in this fitness industry which is so uh such an aspirational category. You're so inspired by the people who have millions of followers and are uh, uh, generating this income of low ticket. And I just kind of thought, why not give it a crack? You know, I um, created a marketing ebook called it Your Game Plan. I also sold a booty guide at the time and guess which one did better. But it really uh, showed me that there is the possibility to sell online and you don't need to be this big colossal brand or personal profile to do it. So um, I started generating revenue when I had a job working in marketing and I recognized that in this fitness space, there's a lot of people like I did that dip the toe in, in in the online products, but they just don't know what they're doing from a business point of view. And why would they? They've mastered their craft as coaches. And I was building such a solid network in the fitness industry that I was able to help so many people um, and I, that's when my Jenna Davies Marketing was born in 2019. I started a consulting agency. Um, and then through the consulting process, I identified this journey that was really similar for everyone because the assumed level of knowledge that I had for my leads and clients was much higher than where, where it actually was. So I was able to automate that process um, to, to serve a market and solve a problem. And that's kind of where it started. That was the first switch where I let go of all the clients that I was working with, and I focused on creating this program. It was the fitness business strategy, and it still exists today. And it, um, yeah, it really took off in the market that I wanted to serve, and just gave me so much more insight and leverage to then build big appetite on the back end of that. Yeah.
1: So essentially, then what you did was you 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 took a passion that you had in fitness. You then you put your marketing agency around your passion and pivoted into that, and then you you, you realize that you as a consultant on your own, you you need need to effectively turn that into a digital product to sell it and leverage.
0: Exactly, exactly. And there are parts to this problem that I was solving that I wasn't actually, it's investing in proximity. I was telling people to where to go to get a website. I was telling people how to brief graphics and I just thought, I'll do it. And I then, you know, in working through corporate, in being in a marketer for so long, I had the contractors and the contacts that could help me bring this vision to life. And I was, you know, started like any business does. Really, you work with contractors, and then you bring it in house, and then you learn about running an in-house team. And you're having recently undergone a big restructuring in the business. Now we have everything in house, and um, we are able to actually deliver and control the full product. As well, so not only are we providing that advice and so the strategic solution, uh, we're also then did providing the product, the design, and the development as well.
1: I want to go. I want to dive into this pivot because there must there, there's a pivot in here that I think is what a lot of people are struggling to get from, and that is from the the pivot where you go from consultant where you are solving people's problems you're probably swapping a bit of time for money and doing that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff to realizing at that point you need to structure this into a business and a vehicle that can serve you and move you forward because Mm -hmm. obviously it caps out at like you know a million plus a year kind of business which is kind of where you were wasn't it yeah yeah um so what was that kind of penultimate moment where you decided okay I'm I've got this I've got a business that does me over a million a year but it's a lifestyle business so and what made you pivot
0: Pivot from the sort of cash products the counter- into the yeah, agencies. Yeah. So I saw the writing on the wall. I was competing when I was selling the fitness business strategy. I was very strategic when I timed the launch of any product that I sold or any campaign. It was around a prep where my Instagram had a lot of organic traffic and I was very relevant to my market and i recognized that i either keep competing and play that game to stay relevant or find a way to stay relevant in fitness which is hinged on my identity and i had put on weight after one of my shows and i recognized that that could be that could hurt my business and so then you realize that you've built a brand that's hinged on your identity and i don't believe that's healthy because you struggle to show up when you don't feel like the version of yourself that everybody knows you as you post photo shoot photos that are 12 weeks old or a year old and then you know you don't want to show up on your story or or posting check-ins where you're subjective to people subjected to people's opinions and that's fitness specific but if you're a personal brand and you're not in fitness let's say you're a real estate agent or in finance if you don't work you don't get paid obviously you can scale it to the digital elements of Uh, as far as digital tech allows you to with group coaching and courses and all the rest, but it's hinged on your identity. And I know that in order to grow and scale, if you look at the greatest brands in the world, they're not necessarily, I'm not gonna say they're not people, but they're affiliated with companies and communities and they're customer led. So I really wanted to create a business that was customer led. I wanted to help people and show people that that the results I could get were more attainable to them. And it had actually had nothing to do with how I looked. It, it was about what I cared about. So, the the sacrifice and the 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 restructure of the business was really challenging because you're used to living a lifestyle that, you know, you see it and it's it's what you see on social media when you have spare time and nice things and can travel. And people are so young, making so much cash in the fitness industry. It's true, but I just thought, what if I wanted to have a family or? or get pregnant or just chill out. And I never used to think like that as a, even as a woman, I just never used to think like that. And I recognize the pressure that you put on yourself when you have to show up all the time and we deserve privacy as people as well. So I wanted to build it. I, I believe true freedom is doing whatever the fuck you want. And if you can't do that because you don't make money, then it, you, to me, that's not, you haven't done it.
1: Right. So essentially, people then are getting tied to this identity that they create, in the the 2018 version of them that they create, yeah. they have to continue this on right the way through to like 2020, 30 potentially, because they've they've created a niche of people that follow them for that specific thing. Exactly. But as they evolve as a human being, they get that the, they can't then show that on the platform, is what you're saying. So you get two. So that's that's probably like the dichotomy of a personal brand, isn't it? Like you could you have to have a personal brand a reputation that evolves with you if you're going to go into mm. personal branding rather than one that's tied to a certain demographic
0: exactly and people have done it look at lane norton look at arnold schwarzenegger look at how these brands have evolved over time lane was a bodybuilder a powerlifter an educator an entrepreneur and he's really elevated by doing leading by example but he's also built businesses that allow him to serve a market without him. And I think that transition is really important, but it's really hard to do. Also mentally, I call it golden handcuffs because what you're doing is working, but you no longer love it, but you're being paid and you can do whatever the fuck you want in your spare time, essentially. So that then puts you in this trap. I don't know if you've ever worked in a sales role, but I remember I sort of had a similar feeling and I've only recently identified this in being here. That I had these golden handcuffs on two years ago that I also had when I was in my first sales job because you're making good money, you're chasing numbers, you can do whatever you want, but you actually aren't happy. And that is the then the, the indicator that you need to elevate and change your brand and changing your messaging and changing your target audience. It, like you can do it gradually or you can come out and make some sort of statement, but people will come and go or they're not going to identify with you. And it, it you see it in numbers, leads, engagement, Um, I saw it, I lost like 20,000 followers since I was competing, but also built the most successful version of myself ever. So you just kind of have to to roll with the punches when you're trying to elevate out of that
1: as well. Is that quite difficult, um, for someone to lose 20,000 followers by going into, even though you knew it was for your own self and you're going into it, is it quite difficult to see that get taken away?
0: Um, I, I took it as a sign that I was doing something right. I took it as a sign that i was aligned with my values and doing something right i had a following at one point of 70 percent men in america when i was competing in bodybuilding they have absolutely nothing to do with my current offer my values and my purpose i didn't mean to pick them up i wasn't you know trying i guess i, I guess you could say i was i was doing photo shoots and posting my body on instagram which i wouldn't even do now and in talking about uh marketing, branding, personal growth, my journey since losing my mom, being a bit more vulnerable, playful, and not so revealing, I'd pushed away a large portion of my audience, which, you know, when brands look for people to sponsor, they look for follower size, or they used to. This is why nano-influencers are now the biggest thing in marketing, because The big number, so many people are bots these days. I mean, so many of them are bots. And then they could be an irrelevant audience to who you're trying to work with. Like men in America for me two years ago, can't necessarily monetize them unless I was working with like pioneer belts. They sent me a belt at one stage. But now I want to use it as a vessel to to support my business, to reach people who want what I can offer them. And so it's much more targeted.
1: So essentially what you did is by going into a niche that you were passionate about and you, you didn't realize you were building an audience that you couldn't essentially monetize in a way that would align with you in the future. Because it's like, you know, that kind of audience that you're building on the back of, of, of bodybuilding goes a lot more along the demographic of doing like OnlyFans content or something yeah. like that, not, exactly. not marketing, not business strategy. Exactly.
0: No. And you see this, I see it a lot in our business with some of our clients, let's say they compete but they want to work with Jen Pop. I'm like we're well, scaring away Jen Pop by putting out all your prep shots. You've got to I believe a lot of people scratch the surface when it comes to finding their purpose and their brand values. It's really important that you know your vision and why you're doing it in business so that you can stay strongly connected to your brand values across every platform that you choose because it's easy to show what you're doing and the results of it, especially when you're making money and it's it's working. But then you're like, hang on, I actually need to continue to pull my messaging back to where I want to be. Otherwise, you can, you can literally detour and build a really massive, successful business and hate it. But you've kind of just gone where the opportunity is versus going where you actually really want to go.
1: So if you were going to give your most actionable advice now, telling people how they could build their audience in the right way from scratch, if you were going to start again, what would you say?
0: Know exactly who you're talking to. Start with your audience. I believe you should fish where the fish are in business and know the deepest level of them. I'm often narrowing your niche. If you're you're earning under a million dollars, you've really got to focus one person, one channel, one product and have a single-minded focus and know the deepest, deepest pain points that they have around the solution that you offer and why they deeply need it. Because with growing a business online – You assume that your followers are your total addressable market or your opportunity, but they're not. You've only got a certain percentage of engagement and viewers and not everyone's ready to buy. Most of the time, people are asleep watching your content. You know, they're unconscious to what you're actually selling, especially if you sell all the time. So if you really know your audience, you can raise problem awareness with your content by posting with a really strong hook right like for example you could be like stressed or tired or confused and lead with an emotion that then attaches to what the problem is whether it's being overweight shredding for a wedding self-loathing for their body or whatever that is and it's then that you can you can really catch the attention of the person who goes oh my god they're speaking to me and it's the same thing you know in any industry I could talk to somebody who's tired of trying to grow their social media, feels like they've done all the things, but they're just not seeing the conversions. And I can say, well, maybe it's not your marketing. Maybe it's your message. And they're like, okay, I'm ready to talk to you now. Tell me more. So you've got to be really pointy. The 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 more descriptive you can be with who you're here to serve, the more you're going to gain market insight to further improve your solution, to then get better results that you can leverage to then build a, build a business off it.
1: Yeah and what would you say then to people that are even struggling to find out who who they need to become in order to get to this because obviously that's the what you've addressed there Question. is what you've addressed there is you've addressed what they should do in order to get themselves so they can build this brand and everything like that but it's like who do they need to become and how do they how do they get to that person in the quickest possible way because you've had to go through a lot of identity shifts in your life to get to where you are right now so that you know that information but if we were trying to short circuit that for this audience yeah what's what's what would be your advice there
0: so I'm going to tell you what I did take a minute go inward get out go away don't do what you usually do just for a period of time it could be a weekend in the bush it could just be some time, half an hour without your phone, nothing, just sit and do nothing and just really listen to yourself because we fill our heads with busyness. We are so busy. We are stressed. We are focused. We are goal-driven. We've always got something to do whether you have a job or a business and we're never done. We're never there. And so that cloudiness, the the lack of clarity distracts us from what it is that we really want. You have to know what you want. And how important it is to you. And you have to really want it. Because if you don't do what you want, you're going to do what other people want you to do. And that is something to really come back to and think, am I happy? What am I doing when I'm happiest? Why does this make me happy? What does it mean to me? And you need a guide. Like, I'm not playing like a therapist. I worked with people. I still work with a therapist and an NLP coach. And I, I actively sought this journey. I lost my mom first coming up to her four-year anniversary, and that rocked me. It really, really rocked me, and I just was so terrified of how I would react and respond to that and how it would change my life that I went, you know, as you do balance of extremes, the complete other way. I was studying NLP. I was reading books about ikigai and, you know, the Japanese word for purpose, and I really tried to discover what it meant, and then I I came to the conclusion that for me it meant freedom, which was so confusing because I work 60 hours a week. I'm a slave to a laptop and I'm very responsive to so many people. I'm in so many ways not free, but on the flip side of that, I'm very free to do what I want. I'm here with you on a Thursday. I, you know, have a business that allows that to happen. So I've actually built that already. And I, my advice to people in business who don't know how to find their values to build the business that aligns with it, you've got to go look for them you know and I feel like when we're kids these values are so strong we're playful we're adventurous you can tell very quickly who's kind and caring who wants to build with other people who wants to go play kids their personalities really shine through and parents and teachers kind of like make them calm and blend in and all act like each other and that's a point in life where we then been the rest of our lives being like each other but maybe you've actually just got to go back and figure out who were you before you, you became who the world told you to be and that's how you build your business
1: so did, did did stripping it back that much come when you had to look inward on like the death of your mom and and overcome that pain that you obviously feel from that moment
0: definitely I mean I had a trigger that was my mom's death that pushed me down that journey and The business that I built on the back end of that at that point in time was three times more successful I tripled my revenue in a quarter when my mom died which I mean obviously at the time I was like band-aiding with work we were in COVID we didn't have a lot much else to do but um there's generally a reason that people seek out personal growth most people I believe cruise through life doing that what they're doing and you look up and you get to the end of the year and you kind of where you started it more or less, except for the things outside of your control that change, like a breakup or you, you had to move house. But is that really growth or is it just change? I think we only really seek to grow when something happens that makes us feel like we're stuck. And it's usually an emotional trigger that's beyond, beyond your control. But unless it's something super compelling like death or grief or loss, people tend not to seek out these the answers to these big questions.
1: I, I found it powerful when you're talking throughout that chapter, when you're talking about essentially people having their ladders leaning against the wrong wall. They, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're, they're going for growth for growth's sake. I've had many parts of my life that the audience understands that, you know, where I've seek things that on the outside would seem validating, but on the inside I felt empty, you know, and there's when you're talking about the, the death of your mom and all that and how that triggered you, I had to let something die within myself, Mm. my own self to, to free me, to take me to the next level. So death is, death is a horrible word that people always associate just with losing people. But death is something that have to, that has to happen inside of you so many times along your journey in order for you to reflower and reflourish in every other area of your life. Yeah. And it's like, it's something you have to be willing to. So what what am I saying here? I'm saying you have to kill things Mm. that, you know do no longer support the journey to where you want to go mm-hmm. you have to be able to identify that so what is that to you yeah you know i mean like th- that's what you got to ask yourself essentially
0: i worked with the marketer he was my manager when i was in the pharmaceutical industry and he taught me the concept of kill your darlings And in a creative term, you essentially, or or in product marketing at the time, you would kill the SKUs or the items that were no longer generating the revenue they needed to. They were holding too much space in the portfolio. They were costing money. And it's better just to let them go make space in the warehouse for something else, basically, make space in your mind for something else. And in business, that happens a lot because, especially as a founder, you are emotionally attached to your identity you may have a great idea that you believe in. I had clients come and work with me recently and I loved their product offering they were working. They were selling a 24-week fat loss program, but the first 12 weeks you spend in a build, like, i oh, sorry, you spend at maintenance so that you can really prep your body for fat loss. And I'm like, I love this. I love this product, but it wasn't selling. And nobody wants to lose weight the slow way, right? But people want to lose it the right way when you know your market, they're tired and exhausted. All we had to do was repackage it, you know, change the messaging and, and appeal to the right person. But you have to break up with the idea that you had in the first place. You have to kill your darling. And that happens so often, you know, as soon as – the one thing that I've learned, as soon as you make a decision, it's done. And everything else around that is just starting to hold you back or take, take up your time. As soon as you've had a thought – and, you know, it's funny because I remember – as soon as somebody said to me, "As soon as you've made the decision to compete, you're on the, you're on your journey to the stage," and at the time, that's like the exact same principle. But now I say, as soon as you've made a decision, it's done. That's the same thing that like kill your darlings. And if you're holding on to this message or this logo or this identity or this team or this this tech or whatever it is, if if it's actually not serving where you've got to go or where you're trying to grow to, then you've got to move through that.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I totally get it because when I was in LA podcasting I was trying to podcast I was trying to write a book I was trying to run contentremover.com and I was trying to do some other stuff and I, I sat there and I was on the on the phone call to my mate James Australia very successful entrepreneur always kind of mentored me around this space done millions online and he goes Frankie I'm going to tell you something straight He's like you've got to kill some of these things you've got to kill them like that why are you writing a book right now I know the he says I know the book's going to be good I know the book's going to. T- but shelve it shelve that shelve this Get back to just doing the podcast, doing what you're purposeful, doing content removal, doing doing the podcast, and that's all I do now. And when you get back to just doing what you should be doing, mm. don't get me wrong, I've added in I've added in a bit of coaching that just for just because I wanna to, wanna to, um because I'm passionate about it, but I don't do it just for money. I just I just do it as a passionate side thing that, yep. that allows me that because I enjoy it. So it's about it's just about being radically honest with yourself in all areas of your life and saying, look, what am I doing here that's not really giving me the result because like it's the 80-20 principle isn't it 80% of what you do Mm -hmm. only 20% of it will give you the result anyway
0: and also is it actually serving your purpose or is it just making you money because it fractures your brand if you do so many things people don't know what you do that's the uh, the complete opposite of building a brand building a brand is you look at it and it's immediately identifiable it's easy to say it's easy to understand and I know exactly what you do you know and then if you leave the brand recall I'm able to pass on to my friend what you do in a sentence. And if you do so many different things, people go, Who's that girl? What does she do again? Oh, she says I'm not sure if she's a comedian, not sure if she's a coach. It's like it's fracturing your unless you're a multi multi millionaire, unless you're Shaquille O'Neal, you can't endorse so many freaking products and services because you know, you 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 actually are killing the the mother brand by just not even building it in the first place.
1: So would you advise then that when how would you know, how would you advise people who who want to start a quote unquote brand, how do, how do they pick out whether they go under their name or whether they go business brand and build it up like the same way? Because obviously you've done both. Mm-hmm. You build the personal and mm-hmm. you built it under your name and then you've pivoted and now you're building under a big appetite. Yeah. And you're building under that brand. And that's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. How does how does they identify which way to go and what's right for them on that score? Because that is a big fork in the road.
0: Leverage. It's your total addressable market. If you have a personal brand and you've got hundreds of thousands of followers and you know there's people who you can sell sand to, they love you, they are your loyal followers, build a brand. You've already built your personal brand, right? Mm. But it might not be what you want to sell. Like you might now want to come out with activewear or something. So just sell the activewear. But if you are just getting started from a small town, your 800 followers, your friends and family and cousins and their family, and you don't believe that you've got the market, sell yourself. Because the first people who will pay you, who will buy from you, no matter what business you are, are people who trust you. They believe, nobody buys anything that they think is not going to work for the first time, right? Unless they're stupid. So the people who are first going to buy from you, know, like, and trust you. So go where they are. And it might be your family and friends. People say, don't do business, mix business and pleasure. But I
1: completely disagree with that. I really do. So what, what part of don't mix business with pleasure do you disagree with?
0: You should get pleasure from your business and if you love what you do, you should be able to help or want to help anyone and everyone, non-exclusive. Like, yes, you need boundaries. Maybe I'm not saying don't work with your family. I wouldn't hire my dad, but, you know, I'm just saying there's obviously a, a way that you could take that statement. And I think when when referring to starting a business, you will sell to your friends. You will. And you will learn from them because they will be the most honest. All your clients may become your friends and you will then learn as you evolve how to put boundaries in place so that doesn't happen. I've done that. You know, I've worked with friends. I've made friends from team members and clients and contractors. And it's, I'm probably not as accessible to my team now. Um, not as accessible. I just mean, that's not, not the energy that I put out. And I think as you scale, you know, they say there's uh, your seven people that you hire will share your vision, but anything beyond that, it starts to filter, starts to get weaker. So your first seven hires or your seven senior members are super important because they're the
1: ones that um, share the vision they, for they, you. They yeah, they teach the whole the whole ethos of your business and how it's set up from the structure you start with, right?
0: Exactly. And if they are, if you're really building a, a multi-eight figure business and they're remunerated well, they they don't want to go and start the business to themselves. They, they run it like it's their business and they sort of have their individual silos for you. So when getting started, should you be a person or should you be a brand? Again, what is going to get you the quickest return on investment? Because you can leverage the success that you've built as a personal brand to then rebrand in 12 months time. Look at Kayla Enos with Sweat. Rachel with Move With Us. Look at all the, you know, the, the Australian market. You see how Lauren built... Ro- um, Talia Hembrough, the yeah, collection. Exactly. And so that, and even Chrissy Seller, she's got like, I think four companies. She's killing it over here. And that's an example of that, that the the stepping stone approach. And we talk about pivoting in business, but there's so many people who are trying to leap. They're, they're in their thirties or in their twenties. They're either cash rich, making money. And they just think now I'm just going to, That right, but really, the market runs out in the sense that the barriers to switching and loyalty are barriers to switching are so low. So is loyalty with it being such an easy way to consume uh, media and to buy and shop now that you really want to make sure that you've got the the proof, the trust, the credibility, and that the product and service that does what it says it does. And I think that's where the focus should be always.
1: Yeah, I, I. I think people focus too much on the money at the start as well and trying to generate all this money from what they do rather than saying to themselves, okay, what what actually is going to s- serve me but also allow me to serve a market of a decent enough size to make some money? And also, is the problem I'm solving painful and, and can I charge enough money for it to actually make this business work for me in essence? because everyone's on about starting the business and having the brand and all this that and the other but you've got to understand that the reason you're building this vehicle ultimately is not only to serve others but to serve yourself as well you have to serve yourself and you don't want to be a slave to a ship that's serving loads of other people but then you're not getting the remuneration and you you haven't got the time freedom and you're tied to this beast that you've built but it's not even something that you can use in your own life now because you can't you talk about you being here on a Thursday well that's because you've built something that allows you to be here on a Thursday but if you build something that ties you into it so you can't be here on a Thursday and you've still got to serve clients and you're bringing value to the marketplace but but you're left empty that's not a good business.
0: Mm. I always ask my clients when we get started the first the first question is what does your what does a Thursday look like for you what do you want it to look like what's your ideal Thursday look like and when we get started, I let them go on their own little journey after our first session. What is your why? Why are you really here? Because your business is a vessel and no matter that how much you want to help others, you want to help yourself, right? So when the work is hard, running a business is stressful. It is hard. It is uncomfortable. And then it becomes easy and then you get hard and uncomfortable all over again. And so when you're in the trenches You've got to know what your why is. You've got to know your purpose because it's the thing that's going to power you through. And so right at the start, I ask, what does your ideal life look like? Because everything that we build needs to align with how we get there, right? So if you say, I want to go traveling, live off the radar. I want to just be unknown and just have built this big vessel. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to get you speaking on stages then, are we? We've got to start focusing on building your team, building your community and the strategy that we derive for our clients is entirely dependent on where they want to go. I had a new client come on yesterday and she's a, she wants to do speaking events around the world. I said, to her, do you have a podcast? She said, no. I said, well, don't you want to validate your dream now? Don't you want to start practicing now? You're not even doing the yeah, thing yeah, that you yeah, want to be doing, yeah. which is speaking.
1: Yeah, I, I, I knew from day one when I planned the why statement for this podcast and everything I'm trying to bring to the world... I knew that speaking and communication was something that I wanted to do in the world and on stage and stuff like that but obviously you can't you can't even articulate articulate your ideas or put yourself in the in the vicinity of those kind of places that I want to walk on stage mm-hmm. without first practicing doing 100 reps, 150 reps, 200 reps of a podcast of something like this where you where you get to communicate with high value people like yourself and then see, you know, just when to pause, when to stop, when to slow it down. When to have a break? All this kind of all these intricate details you learn from from practicing the art before you step into the arena, exactly. and that's just before you step into the arena. And then when you step into the arena, because I have spoken on stage now, w- w- that's a whole different ball game again. Yeah, like even even if it's just 100, 200 people that you're speaking to, that 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 is a different feeling. I've done a live podcast on stage in front of that many people, and it's a different feeling to doing it in this environment. It's a totally different ball game. Switches yeah. you on in different ways. So always look at what you're saying that you want to do and ask yourself are you making the right moves towards what you want to do because saying you want to be a speaker and then not being willing to start a podcast is counterintuitive to what to to ask yourself well do you even want that is that even your goal or is that your goal because you saw someone else doing well in podcasting
0: and that brings with it this cognitive dissonance or this void and I've personally found myself there recently and I'll take it somewhere else for a minute but I came to the UK, came to London to work with our software engineering team to, to build and scale the business. I spent weeks working, had a couple, few weeks off and then I was flying home and I got sick on my third day off and I ended up in a hospital, in a coma, in Leeds for three weeks with my dad who, and my sister who flew over thinking I was going to die. And then I come out, don't get any time off. I start work on the Monday. My time off, I was lying on my back, you know, resting and recovering, doesn't count. And then I start work and I'm all of a sudden in a new house with housemates, waking up to start my calls at 6 a.m., which means I wasn't doing my normal routine. Everything just changed. My whole life just changed. I didn't even realize because I'm so adaptable. Like that's how you pivot, right? You have to be adaptable. And then the other day I was kind of like, why am I not mo why am I not making content why am I not showing up like my usual self why am I hiding and I realized I'm just like surviving but I, I'm I'm thriving at the same time but I had I was in this void where you're neither here nor there I'm not where I want to be I can't show up and say this piece of tech that we've just finished is live I'm killing it this is what's happening I'm like in the mm-hmm. building phase and then I'm not where I was I'm not where I was living I'm not bodybuilder general I'm not in Sydney and so I'm kind of like it's this imposter syndrome or feeling, and it—you've got to keep choosing you because the the fear will take me back to what's easy. It's so easy for me to post training videos on my story. I can make a training reel a week because I go train. I go train, and I'm confident to share that content. But when I'm working, like writing a website or or creating a campaign, why am I not being like this? Is how you do that, you know? And I think that it brings with it this. This fear that keeps you playing safe instead of choosing, asking yourself, am I choosing the life you want? And fear is what keeps people there and then they become unhappy with it. But that actually getting out of that pattern, breaking that pattern and choosing the life that you want is so hard because the way that our brains are designed and our environment has been created that we've created ourselves, there's layers that pull you right back. Like if I literally wasn't in London, how long do you think until I was fully just back to normal? You know, go back to my apartment, back into my routine, back to the same problems, same friends, same faces. I came here to grow, and now all of a sudden, I, all that has been taken away from me physically, and I actually can't be more grateful for what happened because it's an external thing that forced me to break a pattern.
1: I want to, I want to strip it back just so to give full context to this. Obviously, I'm talking to you before Christmas. Obviously, you know you're in the UK. We're, tea, we're, that we're, day. We're, we're, we're teeing up a podcast That was the day And and then you go silent on me right And I'm thinking to myself this is unusual Because obviously we talk a lot or, You know back, message back and forth about You know might ask me something about business or whatever But anyway it was unusual I thought oh, that's, that's strange but she's just enjoying London About Five or six days in I'm like this is weird And then you pop up And you've been in a coma for nine days Or, some, or sort of something like that and obviously, this was twenty days ago. You came out of the coma, right? Mm. Which is which is mental when you actually think about that. And it's just it was the way life gave you a hard reset and a pause was just like nothing else I've ever seen. It's just like right, you need to literally switch off, and this is what I'm going to give you because you need to pivot. Yeah, and that's what I kind of felt that life was giving you. Yeah, like thank God you're here and you're and you're well. And you're you, It's like nothing's ever happened, but it's mm-hmm. like let's not forget. Twenty days ago, walk me through, like you kind. Of, you must have had like visions in this coma. You must have had you know, this when you're put into an inducing like that. Crazy things happen. I've heard other stories. Like, yeah. what, what was that even like? I mean, what what was your knowledge even going into this? Like,
0: I was messaging you the day that I was going up to Leeds to visit my auntie, and we went out to dinner that night. I I thought I got food poisoning at 3am. I woke up vomiting and I said to her, but I could not see my brain was in so much pain. I felt like my head was going to explode. Like I honestly was just holding my head and vomiting in the toilet. And I said to her, something's wrong. Like I need help now. And she was kind of, you know, 3am tired, getting dressed, getting ready slowly. And I said, we've got to go. I vomited the whole way to the hospital. I just thought I had food poisoning. And, I'm I'm working with a therapist on this because it's really triggering for me to sort of reflect on for many reasons. But the version or reality that I have in my head, I don't know to be true. I was hallucinating. I had high fevers. I was on a lot of drugs and I was put in an indu- induced coma. And if I was to play for you the movie of what I see in my head, of what I went through – it's kind of funny now that I think about it. I'm like, that can't be real. Like I was in ICU in an induced coma and I am imagining people living in the hospital, Christmas lunches. Like, I don't, It's no, it, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. But I was also so vulnerable. I couldn't, I was not at all independent in any way, shape or form. And being kept in a coma, my family, I woke up to see my family in England. I didn't believe they were there. And then the worst part was coming Out of the coma and going into a general ward for a few days. And you kind of look around at the older people that are in there with you. You hear screams at night. So you think you do. You don't sleep. Everything's beeping. The machines are buzzing. And it's like literally where people go to die or they get to the end of their life because they lived lives with poor health. Mind you, there I am as well. But at that point, I felt like a child. And I'm kind of looking around, thinking, why are you? Yeah, it just makes you question your whole life. I was lying there, 3 a.m., waiting till visiting hours at 11. I didn't care about sleep, right? I was, i got given up on it. The nightmares in my head of what I, where I was, and and the deep, dark thoughts, like, am who am I? Am I do I like the life that I've chosen? Do I want to go study? Do I want to get a job? Do I love my business? Who's got my back? Like, I didn't have a phone either for a period of time, so. Cause I, because of the brain swelling, they didn't want me on technology when I first woke up. And you just realize, you know, you take somebody completely out of their life, away from their family, put them in, you know, make them vulnerable in a gown, not even able to eat or drink, like on their own essentially, and take everything away from them and leave them there for like three days. <sighs> the thoughts that go through your head, right? And um, What thoughts? Oh, I just actually found so much gratitude and love for the people that I have in my life because they are my family and family for me is something that I've always really struggled with for many reasons and I just felt like a victim to that I think obviously having lost my mom and immigrating and divorce and all these I had a very or the story that I'd always told myself was that you know very turbulent upbringing and I found a lot of love in my life in that period in, in time and I recognized that I was safe there. Like I have a team that ran my business whilst I was in that period of time. I had projects that I woke up to being completed essentially when I got out of hospital. Um, a community of support that I'd built that I didn't actually have to do anything for. Like my, I, know I mean, I mean friends that love you back the team that works for you because they know the vision and the mission and, and the family that come and support you. And um, I had a lot of gratitude and a lot of, um, you know that saying, if you throw your problems in a pile, you'd grab them right back. I re- really wanted to get out of that hospital because I was choosing my life. I got up on the last day and I walked the halls and I found the doctor and I said, I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm going back to my life because I love it. And even though it's a completely different looking life here, I've realized we're not, I know we're not human doings or human havings. You can take me away from all my things, all my clothes, all my stuff, my house, my car, my friends, and I'm still who I am. Like I really know that. And I think I found a lot of gratitude for that.
1: Quick one for you guys. This podcast is sponsored by ContentRemoval.com. As many of you are probably aware, I set up ContentRemoval.com in 2017 to help people remove all forms of online content and I've looked after some of the biggest names and brands in the world doing it and I would love to help you if you're struggling if you're struggling to remove images videos search results fake accounts or anything online go to contentremover.com and we'll help you today did at any point through the process you feel like like you were dying so to speak like in terms, of like what because obviously you got to a point there where you kind of it could have gone one way or the other and you and like you're on the verge of, of of a death from this world, essentially. So, what 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 does that what does that actually truly feel like when you're in that moment? Does it feel like what people describe it as? Because I've spoken to someone about this before, and they said to me, "Frankie, when I was in that position, that I felt the most peaceful."
0: Yeah, I um honestly no, I didn't have that because I didn't even really know what meningitis was. And then I found out they did a lumbar puncture when they put me in a coma and I had meningococcal. Um, they called my family because they said that I there's a 50-50 chance I could lose a limb. And because the brain swelling was so bad and I was in a coma, they were really concerned that I would wake up with permanent brain damage, if not memory loss. And so you gotta remember, key part here, I went in thinking it was the tie. So, when I woke up from my coma, obviously very dazed and confused, and they told me that I had meningococcal, I laughed. I was like, No, I don't. You guys have got it wrong. And I literally was quite still out of it. And I was just quite confident that they were wrong. And they were telling me, You can't fly home. Like, this is a big deal. You may not, you may, for every one day in ICU, it takes a week to recover. I was like, Watch me. You know, you, you're going to lose a lot of strength. I'm like, I've only been in here for eight days. How bad can it be? Everything I know, you know this about me, but everything they said to me, I was like, no, 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 it's not real, it's not real, and it only became real, kind of like as I got out of there, and I realized, oh my god, this is heavy. I'm tired. I can't walk upstairs. This is horrible, and I forget things. I was repeating myself, and like you know, it's all part of the the recovery journey. Um, but I didn't really think, I didn't recognize how serious it was until I got out, and that's why I started working with a therapist because recognizing that my family had come over. At the time, I thought they were planning a holiday. Like, I was literally hallucinating. So at the time, I think they keep you either pretty safe from the reality that's going on by keeping you drugged or I don't know, but I was in Disneyland in that place until I was in hell. And then it was only when I got out that I started to sort of have these flashbacks and these moments that, you know, I'm either like sort of think I see my mom or I have this like deep gratitude for what happened or, or sorrow for what happened. And um, I'm super grateful. Like it was a medically induced coma. And, and, and since sharing this, I've, I've connected with a lot of people who have shared that they have survived cancer and all of these, you know, very serious conditions. And I don't want it to detract from things like that, but um, I believe, you know, that the saying, a healthy person has many wishes, a sick person has one. And until you've been on your version of your, you know, death bottom bed. or deathbed, you're not going to know what that means, right? Mm. It's a subjective term, pain, drama, suffering, whatever. So I had my version of it and I really do believe 2024 was given to me. Like this is my year. Uh, everything that I've been through the last few, it's I've done it so that I can help others because as a founder, as a business owner, I've, as a human, you don't get to 30 and just continue sailing no matter where you're from or how perfect you've got it. You start getting hit by by life, whether it's a breakup, you know, a, a marriage breakdown or, or the death of loved ones. It starts coming at you and what do you do? Yeah, take a minute, of course. We all need to, but really, I mean, we, we could all do that. We could all be depressed for 12 months and slow down or take drugs and drink alcohol and and cope in unhealthy ways like if you really want what you want then you've got to learn to reframe this event and you've got to learn to work through it
1: As- essentially life was just giving you a, a real close look at maybe some of the pivots you had to make in business in the way that you turn up for yourself in the way that you look after yourself in life and stuff like that so to put a bit of balance back into it yeah, be like you know, uh, is this business structured the way I want it to be? Is is my life going the way it wants to be? You know, it makes you makes yeah. you think about all that stuff. Slows everything right back down. And yeah. it, it's that slow period that's actually in everything that seems on the outside as this painful experience. And we've all been through a different versions of life, and no one could tell you how that feels. But the, those slower periods if you look for the lesson within it, there's often a gift for you. Yeah. And I think I think the gift for you in this moment is you've had a chance to go, well, I'm looking at what I'm building here. I'm looking at what I'm doing. Maybe I'll pivot this. Maybe I'll pivot that. Maybe I don't do this. Maybe I scale that. Maybe I operate like this in life. Maybe I put my health a bit more top of priority list and it just gives you all these different reshuffles that are just powerful, powerful things.
0: Yeah. Thing. And- those reshuffles become actual restructures. Like I'm applying for a visa here. I've been building my team and building my tech and coming back to the personal brand versus building a brand. I needed a minute. You know, it was, I posted a reel last night. It was the first reel I've posted essentially in a month. And that whole market sell, market sell, it's, it's exhausting. And if life cuts you down like that, as humans, when you need a minute, you need a minute. And I'm so grateful that I built this brand and the team and the community that I have and the tech to facilitate the vision that I have without me. And don't get me wrong, I'm only just getting started. But, you know, I've been the personal brand. I've been the sole trader. I've been the seven-figure business that was cash-rich and I loved it. But I'm also no, I'm most passionate about scaling my impact. And I want that to last and I can always come back to that with even more authority when I've done what I've done. Mm. And that's why I'm so devoted to helping people really build the brand that is the vessel that brings their vision to life.
1: So essentially this tech that you're building, what what essentially are you building? Who's it for? And what made you decide to pivot a cash-rich business into tech? Because obviously it churns a lot of cash.
0: To break free from the golden handcuffs.
1: To, do, you, do, you, do you still feel like you're in them now?
0: No, no. So I was, I mean, like making money, working hard, don't show up, don't make money. Don't work hard, don't make money, right? So I I really saw the, the vessel of tech as a way to, you know, I built the business based off my brand. People still come because they only want to work with me. People will still say, I only want to do consulting with you. And I say, fine, but everything else now goes to the team. I don't say, fine, I love to work with people, but everything else goes to the team. So... The, the software we launched our MVP last year, it's currently operating as a service as a software. It was there designed to alleviate the costs of the team and to improve efficiencies for us and to also create a better customer experience. Customers need to be prepped. When you're working with an online coach or an entry-level PT, which is who we were working with when we sort of first started, going into the online space – It's not that they need education, but there's a lot of work involved in building an online brand. And the problem with people who are cash rich in the fitness industry is they think they can just pay for it to be done. Like literally delegate, right? But you're a personal trainer. You're not a business owner. You need to learn to elevate so that your messaging becomes more effective. You need to learn how to write copy. You need to learn how to structure a website so that you can give me what I need from you because I can't do it for you. So the software was there to... Act as a a resource hub, tools and templates, education. But then also, this is what we're doing for you this week. We're building your website. This week, we're automating your emails. This week, we're designing your logo and style guide. So what I need from you is I need to know your brand values this week. Next, this week, I need to know your testimonials. I need your before and afters. And in in six weeks' time, this is what we're going to be doing. And it's not, you know, this is just 101, building a business. But it's such a big beast I have a life of experience in this space I went to university I've worked in corporate for my since I was 17 so you know there's such a wealth of knowledge that people think they can pay for or get in a short course and it's just not the case so we've tried to be as effective as possible in making people better leaders better managers better marketers better coaches getting better results for their business so they can do it for us so right now it automated a lot of project management for us and set expectations for our clients. And now we're able to elevate that. We've built our own CMS and our own LMS, which means that we've built our own website builder for clients, which is completely so tailored not, to not, our market. Not, not
1: white-labeled or nothing? Not
0: white-labeled. We're not white-labeling anything. The The website that you get when you build with us is yours. We we can custom design your back end and your front end so that you know how to use it that's the biggest problem with small businesses you can't be adaptable or agile when you've got these ideas because you're weighed down by cost or lack of skills right it's your skill set that's going to hold you back and you've invested into this expensive website that you don't know how to update so you don't use it anymore so you don't love it and it just sits there and then people find an old version of you that they don't identify with and you're not converting so that's like that's a problem in business and I really want freedom. That's what I'm most passionate about. I want freedom for founders. So, yes, we have a, a an offer so people stay with us. We maintain your service for you. We maintain, we update, we design, develop, and, and create ongoing. But also, go live your life, to build your own mm-hmm. business if that's what you want. I'm not here to lock your account or give people admin um, or editor only access. You know what I mean? It's I'm. We're trying to empower business owners to to really create and have that freedom so
1: what makes you different then to obviously like people can go and get out of the box uh cmss and websites with, with things like squarespace and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff so what what's separating you from that market because obviously there's a big price point difference in what you're doing so what separates you from that and how are you differentiating that?
0: for now at this point in time it's the experience it's having the guidance to know what to put on your website we've We design and develop for you. We write the copy for you based off what we learn from you about your market. So what you're getting back is created by experts with strategy and and evidence and data versus you going to go try and do something yourself and writing Jenna Davies 12 Weeks Premium Online Coaching, right? Who doesn't sell that? So we give you the best chance to succeed when you launch and then we're there for you when you're live to help you make that money back. It's not even make that money back. I hate that term. If you come to start your business and you just make your money back, you've failed. It's not a business, is it, right? Um, So what makes us different is that we put your customers first because I believe what's going to scale your business is you being able to do the thing that you say you're going to do and creating a community of advocates that are going to sell for you because that's organic marketing with the highest conversion possible. We know that people are three times more likely to buy when their friends and family recommend something to someone. So when all you have is time and money to leverage as a a startup, organic marketing is important. Results are important. and, And the way that you sell is important. Have
1: you found, what was the, what's the conversion rate uptick in going from like the generic offer that they've presented on their own websites or whatever they've got currently to when they convert to this type of setup where they've had it structured, more of a structured deal flow in terms of like what their offer is, how it converts into like, well, how does that convert on the back end? Like, is it an uplift of 10%? Is it an uplift of 20%? What's the uplift in?
0: It's different for everyone depending on their market size because we see with the conversion rate, the drop off. So you've got awareness, consideration, evaluation, purchase. And if you've got a large amount of website traffic, then obviously you're gonna convert more than um, people who don't necessarily. So depending on where they are in their business journey, we'll structure it differently. What we actually offer is customizable and unique to every business we work with. This isn't some system, it's not a click funnel, It's not one size fits all. So you come to us with your offers and what you want to sell and we'll give you advice, um, build and and design and develop in the one way, monitor your data and then change it based on what's working, what's not and feedback. But then somebody else who's a startup might be a completely different solution. So what we actually do offer is custom at this stage. We've got the team that works with individuals. So in terms of the data – it would be unique to your business. We'd have to look at your business data before us and then your business data after
1: us. I presume it's it's allowing people at this level of business as well to see data in a explained in a way that allows them to tweak their business to make more money. Because I think what happens is when you go ClickFunnels, when you go when you go Facebook ads, ClickFunnels page, this, this and this and this and this, and you're driving traffic from Instagram, Facebook, Google, whatever, whatever, and then you put it all together. not not many people at that level where they're making between say 500k a year and 2 million that they they don't have access to the right data so they can't make the right decisions they kill ads that are actually profitable and they scale ads that aren't and things start getting lost in translation because they can't see where it's converting i suppose what you're saying is because the system's built custom and it's back end the data that you see allows them to drive the right decisions which scales them
0: you're so right and a lot of startups don't have any data. A lot of startup, and also the word startup, I almost honestly wouldn't use it for the personal brand. I don't think it's the correct term. A startup is like, you know, you've just got going with valid, you validated your idea and you're building to value, now building to automate it in my mind. If you're a personal brand running a business, selling your time, you're a service provider, right? You're trying to become a business owner, but really you're a service provider. And I'm not trying to cut down the market, but it, when you are able to identify where you actually are, it gives you grace and your ego takes things away from you. And so when you, you know, when in startups, people tend to give people these like wankerish titles that give them too much, um, wankerish, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's stop calling yourself a startup and recognize that you've been selling time for money and you don't actually have a business. You need to set your business up. You need to know your data. If you don't know what you did last quarter, if you don't know what your expenses are versus your income, you don't – like to say how does our method affect startups? Well, first of all, we we start you up, right? We give you the data that you need need in 12 months' time to then really go and accelerate your growth. And a lot of our clients do come back to us. It's a a 12-week sort of program process to design, develop and learn – and then they generally stay and then they may make, make kind of go away for six months and do some things with other people and then they come back. Because now we go, okay, now we have the data to learn from. We have the proof of concept. We've got the messaging really dialed in because you've serviced so many people and you know the problem now because you've heard it. Let's change it. And that's when you should be making changes instead of every quarter trying to pump some new offer that you think is going to work based off what you see other people selling.
1: Do you know what? It's funny because I was speaking to a mentorship client the other day and this guy has built a business and sold it and knows a lot, knows a lot. And I'm mentoring him and we're talking about the acquisition of customers for his brand. Mm-hmm. And he's running he's running traffic from the same source to two different offers. One One is free to get him in the gym, but it converts at X rate and obviously one's at 49 pounds but converts at a drastically high rate because these people have got skin in the game. What I was explaining to him was, when we looked at the numbers and looked at the data, was like, you do realise this £49 offer is the best thing that you can scale because you've now got £49 to go and acquire a customer on Facebook or Instagram. You've got £49 to spend, essentially, to go and acquire that customer. Because it's the same as you spending money. In fact, you're losing money when you're getting this one in for free that isn't converting at the back end. Mm. So he's actually spending £10 to acquire this free person to come through the door that might c- convert one in 10. But he's spending like £49 to acquire this customer that converts like eight in 10. Yeah. So why wouldn't you skate? You are not. it's not going to cost you £49 on Facebook and Instagram to go and acquire the customer. It's only going to cost you like 5 to £10 to acquire that customer for £49. So why wouldn't you scale that? Yeah, like it just doesn't make. But people don't realize because they don't look at the numbers correctly. They look, they look, they look, they look at the total. They're running so many different channels and multiple offers, and then they're just looking at it as a whole and seeing what they're to at the back end and seeing what they're working out at. Yeah, it's the wrong data. If you're looking at the wrong data, you get the wrong metrics. When we broke it down, it's like this is a no-brainer to scale. Yeah, and, and that will grow the business way faster than offering free.
0: I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with paid advertising with sales coaching with building a business right now I feel business is what fitness was 10 years ago right our parents had exercise instructors that weren't really that cool and 10 years ago the fitness industry went gangbusters and then now everyone's in business sales coaching business coaching consulting whatever paid paid strategies so there's a lot of smoke and mirrors when you are good at what you do. And I think there's a lot of animosity around data because instead of actually learning to run a business, you're trying to pay for the fast way and you will learn with money or time, you will learn and you can learn the expensive way or the hard way, but really you expedite growth when you get help. That's the truth of it. Whether you learn the what not to do or what to do. And I think with Facebook, there's a lot of, I know even some of my clients that have gone and done it before, I think they're ready And the content that they're using, they're not necessarily the strategy. It's the content that I believe is the problem with why certain ads wouldn't be converting. And what I mean by that is you need to be quickly understood, relatable, relevant to your market. And and whether you want to lead with an education ad, follow up with a sale, ideally you've got people selling your business for you that they can identify with. And you're not like, hey, I'm Jenna, come and work with me, right? It's more... This is how I went from this to this. Sell the result, proof of concept. She helped me. Off you go. And when you're a startup and you don't have that journey and that overwhelming burden of proof, that then people can then click onto your site and see all the people that you've been helping, then the data is not going to be what you wanted it to be. And I think that's now there's a lot of people being like, oh, Facebook ads and Google ads. And I mean, don't get me wrong, there it is what it is in that on that um, on that front. And I won't comment on it because I'm not um, as knowledgeable on it as I feel confident to be so but what I am seeing is people are either slamming Instagram Facebook and ads but they're strategy or slamming a strategy but I'm like it's not necessarily the strategy it's it's still you you know you can have the best website the best graphics the best offer but it's not going to work unless you do if you don't know where to put your money if you don't know how to show up and sell if you don't actually get the results with these people the whole strategy doesn't work it, the whole thing.
1: It amazes me when it comes to creative. It's so simple to get the right creative for your ad. You run the creative as organic and what gets the traction you run as an ad. Like it's it's a simple it's a simple solution because you already know, for argument's sake, if I was advertising this podcast, I would just use the clips I've already got that have got millions of, of TikTok views and I would run that as an ad on TikTok because I know it works on that exactly. platform. What got traction on Facebook, I would use that creative to run my ad on Facebook. Mm-hmm. What gets traction on YouTube shorts will be will be different. Now here's the thing. A TikTok that will go off and do one point seven million on TikTok will only do like 50,000 on the YouTube, right? Why? Well, because contextually this platform it works on and this one it doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like what that's that's how you get the creative. You test it organically and then you and then you then you can run a proper ad in the back end of these advertising platforms. And run a proper ad and a call to action on it, and get them to click through to, you, to your thing. Now you've solved the creative problem. Then you just work your way down the funnel, and and okay, now it's not converting at the back end. Well, you know, you work on you work on how you're closing, or if you're on a call or whatever it is. But you work it down the funnel. But the creative side—that's the first, that's the easiest bit to fix first, because you can just test it organically and see what happens.
0: Everything you're saying is just data, 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 and you're right. But the thing is, there's people trying to expedite the process. They're missing the time. There's a lack of patience. You need to test the data, test, refine, test and refine and and review it. But if you are new and you've only worked with 30 people in your business, it's not a lot, is it, right? And if only three of them have done the thing that you claim to do, you've probably actually got to fill some holes in your bucket before you go paying for more traffic that's going to give you...
1: Yeah, so don't don't drive traffic to something where your back end isn't going to scale as well. Exactly.
0: And this is the content conundrum that I am finding with a lot of the leads that we're getting. They come in and they're saying, I'm posting all the time and it's not working. And I just said to this person yesterday, I'm actually not a content marketing coach or a content marketing specialist. I'm I'm about marketing and branding, human behavior principles, scaling with tech. That is another element. But marketing before business setup is the tail wagging the dog. And maybe your marketing is so good that you make some money, figure it out later, and then you invest in your business. But you can also really damage your brand by marketing and selling something that doesn't deliver what you claim. And also, if your marketing sucks, then because you haven't invested the time into doing the thing, even just for one person, one person try and prove that you can do what you say you can do, so that you can use that one person to appeal to one other person. Geometric growth, two becomes four, four becomes eight. Then all of a sudden, now you're more credible. Eight people can go get 16 people. Focus on that. Build. If you need to take a break from content marketing because it's causing you grief, but you're not making any money, come back and actually think like a business owner because you speak to one business owner in the corporate world, ask them what their marketing budget is. Go to Sanitarium, go to BHP, ask them what their marketing budget is. Right, I'm not going to say that marketing is not important. We're not also not that kind of business, so we've got to compare apples to apples. But get your product right, know your market, lead from the front. You have to choose how you spend your time and money. You've got to invest in yourself, your consumer, and your product, and then we can talk about your content.
1: Essentially, pour pouring petrol on the fire without the back end. Exactly, without the back end sorted, means you burn down your business, not set fire to the sales. You know what I'm saying, and that and that's kind of and that's kind of what you have got to really get clear in your head. Because when I started ContentRemoval.com, I just I I spent a lot of time the first thirty days just signing that big whale client, and then I thought, right, I'll just sign more of those, and it was and, it, and it, I just did it one by one by one, but but quickly built to half a million a year because I just went for one type of client. And did that only. I didn't run Google Ads and Facebook and Instagram and all this other crap. I didn't run all that. I just, I literally just went cold outreach, cold email to the exact target demographic I'd planned to get and sign those. And I think a lot of people could actually scale better that way in the initial period to get the initial wins than they could going and spending money on ads. You know?
0: 100%. And it just comes down to ignorance, it's a lack of understanding because you don't have the business acumen or experience and that's okay that is okay and so what you're going to do now is you're going to gain it and that's what happens with experience you are and time you're going to try and spend money here you're going to learn that that was a rip-off you're going to spend a lot of time here and then you're going to learn to teach people what you do that's running a business you can't fast track that and so many people are trying to so I think really when it comes to scaling a business you've got to take a step back and think what are, my, what are the real tools in my tool belt and how can I use them in the best way possible and who can I work with that can help me that have done it for hundreds of people. Like you can get advice from people a couple of steps ahead of you but if you're going to pay my first like piece of advice to you because I'm sick of hearing about business coaches ripping off businesses or startups or people is see how many people they've worked with, how many businesses have they worked in, have they got experience in business or are they just teaching you how to do what they did Right. If they were a personal trainer and they've built a huge empire and now they're teaching you how to do that with your PT business, fine. They've got credit, they've got merit. But have you got somebody teaching you something that they've never done themselves?
1: But also, you've got to ask yourself is what, what are your key skills? Like when, before I even started a podcast, I thought, you know, am I, am I a speaker or am I a writer? Because if I'm, if, I, if I'm someone who, who's good at writing and articulating my idea, ideas through written format, starting a podcast isn't the right idea. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, you need to identify the skills that you're good at before you have a business. And then you can, and if you're honest with yourself and radically honest at the start, you can then figure out the first hires that you need to fill in the gaps that you're not the best at. Because not everyone, when they're scaling a business, needs to go, you know, not everyone needs the manager first or the sales guy first. You know, If you're good at sales, you you be that guy. You might need someone else. You might need the Mm -hmm. fulfillment guys. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. different... Everyone's journey to building their first business with and putting in their first one, two, three highs is different, and you, your key skills are need. You need to know as soon as possible because then you can figure out who you exactly. need. Right? I um, I was speaking to uh, um, one of the guys on the podcast, and he was saying, Daniel, he was saying that he doesn't start a business on his own. When he starts businesses. He, he start he starts he he, he first he, he validates the market and then he starts a business with five the, the the key five team he says when and the reason his reason for doing that is and he owns den and he's daniel priestley he's scaled you know he's, he's doing hundreds of millions now across his businesses he says why would i why would i start a business on my own why wouldn't I start with the team of five? Because you you, you might you need you might need all these skills to fulfil it. It's just a different way of looking at it. He says you don't see the uh, anyone in the army going into a, a raid on a building, or, you know one one marine. You see a, t- a, a team of five. So say it's, that's the way he approaches business, but he's just learned that from going to a totally different level. Mm. It doesn't matter whether you do it the way that we're saying or you do it the way that Daniel says it. But the key thing that is is prevalent in both ways is that you know who you are first and what you're good at so you can put in the other people in the positions and have the ability to put them in when the time comes, whether that's at the start or whether that's in three or four weeks or four months. And people don't ever think, what am I actually good at? What are my key skills here? What is the last thing that I want to relinquish in my business?
0: And doesn't that just tie in so nicely to what we said before about knowing what you want to be doing? right and and people don't stop and think what am I good at what should I be doing because like it's the same principle as knowing what you want to be doing people are generally good at what they like to do and so you know that what you just said I feel like just really loops back around so nicely around checking in with yourself and having these moments of awareness and yes data helps you data will help you shine a light on these areas of your weak points and it can look different for everyone. It could be your health data when you're sick, and you realize that you've been put in a place because your life choices weren't suitable, or your business is in a position because your business decisions are not suitable.
1: I got a client, right, another mentorship client. that came to me, and he was he was pulling his hair out, and he'd scaled his business to a couple of million, and he wanted to scale it faster. And I was I was, I was asking I was asking him what he's doing in, in the business, and he sounded to me like he was a manager. And I said, what What, what are you managing? Why are you managing the business for when you're best? When your best asset is sales, like that's your best asset. Why are, you not se- why are you not out on the front line of selling? Why have you put yourself in the management role? So we switched it around. we put a general manager in there. He's come back into sales. Guess what? The revenue's fucking done. It's gone up, hasn't it? A lot. Mm-hmm. So in a short period of time, why? Because he's doing the apex skill that he should have been doing in his business. But all the time you see people start the business, they're a creative. Many people that start businesses are creatives. You know, Matt from Space Goods is a a great example of a creative. He's great at the the digital side, seeing the vision, creating the brand, this and the other. That's his key skill. So he is now not the CEO and the guy running Space Goods. He's hired someone in there and and he's done that because he knows he needs to be creative and brand, not the CEO, not the guy that's running, you know, the running the CFO and everything else that's going on in that business. That's radical honesty right there and that's how you've got to operate. If you operate like that, everything becomes a lot easier and business doesn't become this game where you're fighting the world all the time mm-hmm. and and you can actually move forward. The
0: power of choice and coming back to one of the realizations that I really had recently was there's perceived limitations, there's layers to commitment, there's, there's things that, tell, that hold us back in life but it's not real. You know, if you were to die tomorrow, the world would go on. So all the things that are holding you back are really just the choices that you make. You know, I never would have thought that I could move countries and I've been forced to live in another country and I've shown myself everything that held me back around exploring that idea was not real. And it's choosing to to really open your eyes and your mind to that sort of a thing. And I think you also can play the same cards in business. There's decisions that are too scary or too hard to make um, or, or, you know, the, the thoughts in your head that hold you back too much pride, too much ego being stubborn, whatever it is. But as soon as you realize you've got a lot to learn, there's a lot of people who can teach you and, and you choose to invest in continuing to ask yourself, am I on the right path? Am I living the light an aligned life? Is my business the vessel that I want it to be? Then, like I said, you'll, you'll be, people will choose for you if you don't choose yourself.
1: I often ask this at the end of every podcast because I think it really does make people think and it gives the the audience something really deep and meaningful to kind of end on. But if there was one thing, Jenna, that if you had to leave the world tomorrow, check out because obviously you've been in that situation quite recently. And but you could just leave like you can't leave anything else physical. You can't leave this impact that you're talking about and all this other stuff. You can't leave any of that. But you could just leave one pearl of wisdom for this audience that could move them forward at least one percent in their life from today. What would that be to you?
0: Being who you are is a gift. If you are free to really be true to yourself and and to to be the version of yourself that makes you happy that that lights up a room to to live your purpose, I think that that's a gift. And everyone has it. It's killed by society, conditioning, programming, our environment, our parents, our friends, our co-workers. Like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but when you're a kid, you can go wherever you want. The world is yours. And I think my greatest advice to anyone really is like really get really deep with who you are because that is – your your guiding star that's your nucleus and your life will thrive and flourish when you really live your truth and i think i believe every i don't believe people are malice or vindictive i'm I'm not saying there's, you know these sad unhappy people in the world why do you think that is because they're not being who they are i I feel so that's how i would answer that question
1: Yeah. yeah i love it i feel that yeah i feel like you've had a real good um reset you know, I think, I think the most beautiful thing has come out of something that from the outside wasn't so beautiful, but I think something else you allow you to flourish in other areas of your life and allow you to realign. I think, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And guys, I just want to say, I hope from this podcast, you have got some real actionable insights into things that you can do and things that you can put into your business and ways that you can look into your business so you can market better, so you can be, so you can, so it can serve you and serve your audience and serve everyone else, all your customers and clients in a way that that is more fulfilling for you and allows you to earn the money that you want to earn in your business and I hope this one helps you do that do me a solid favour subscribe to on every platform share this with your friends I would really appreciate that it really helps more than you know and I appreciate every single one of you listening much love guys do me a solid favour drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next